Uh, what's up? I'm glad to be in front of you guys today. It's crazy that we've been here for five years. Uh, I will say that, man, Shelly and I are blessed to be at this church and that you guys are our church family. We kind of came into this job to be here for like three months, and it just worked out that God had different plans for us. Uh, and man, he has really helped us grow as a couple, as a family, it really helped us grow uh, as a minister of the gospel. And so we're blessed to be able to share that with you today. Uh, but what I want to do is stop focusing on me and start focusing on the reason that we're here, uh, and that's to grow closer to God. You with me on that one? Here's what I got for you. This um, story I want to talk to you about, I'm sure that you guys have heard this before, uh, this passage. I'm sure that you've heard a message preached on this before. But what I want to do is maybe look at it a different way, kind of. I want to break up verse by verse and see kind of between the lines what God is talking about. And I really do think that if you trust me in my preparation and the words that God has given me, that he will really speak to you today. See, a lot of times when we look at stories in the Bible, it's easy for us being on this side and reading to to say, well, why didn't that person do this? Or how can that person not see this? Or how can this person not believe or whatever? Uh, And so what I want, what I need, what would help you, I think, in this message today do is really put yourself inside the story. Really make yourself a character um, of the story that we're about to read. Um, And by the end of this message, my prayer is that you can be honest with yourself and ask yourself one question. Am I really giving God everything? Is God really number one in my life? And I think we see that a lot, right? We've heard that a lot. I think every time we come to church, we try to say, God, I want you to be number one. But, but I, I mean that on a different level today. And I, and I pray that as I challenge you, that you'll really go home and maybe talk about with your family, your husband, your wife, your kids. God, are you number one in my life? And are you number one in our family? So before we get started, before we dive into this passage, I just want to pray with you real quick. So if you don't mind bowing with me, let's pray um, that God will really open our hearts today. Father, we thank you that we can come before you today. We thank you uh, that we can learn from stories out of your Bible that happened thousands of years ago, but they relate to us here today. And so, Father, we pray that your spirit is in this place. Father, that you will convict, that you will challenge. Father, that you might lift some burdens off of people's hearts. But more importantly, Father, we pray that you'll open hearts, that you'll open minds to hear what you have to say today. Father, we pray that you help us see things in our life that may be getting the way of giving you everything that we have. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and in his name I pray, amen. So if you have your Bibles with you today, I ask you to turn to John 4. It'll be on the screen, so if you don't have your Bible, you're in luck. But John 4 is where we're gonna be at. Now this story is the woman at the well, and I told you, you probably have heard this before. This passage is actually goes through verse 26, but today uh, I just wanna go through verses one through 13. So that means when you go home tonight or when you're eating dinner or whatever, I ask that you finish this passage with your family because I think there's a lot more in there uh, that that, that can really help you and that can maybe close uh, what I'm gonna open today. Uh, But really, it's the whole chapter. So 1 through 26 is the story of the woman of the well, but the whole chapter really uh, has to do with this one story. So if you got some time today, I challenge you to to finish up with chapter four of John. But again, today, I'm just gonna focus on the first 13 verses and let's see what God has for us while talking to this, to this woman at a well. So first off, we got to understand that the story in verses 1 through 3, verses 1 through 3, they, they, the reason that these verses are in here is it's really giving us insights to why God or Jesus actually went to Samaria in the first place. So let's read it real quick, and then I want to I wanna just say a couple words. So it's verses 1 through 3 of chapter 4 of John. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. That's John the Baptist, you know. 
baptizes a lot if his name is John the Baptist. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. Verse 3, when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. All right, so that kind of sets the tone for why he's going to actually meet this woman at the well. See, what's happening right now is that Jesus is in his mission, which is sharing the gospel, which is sharing who he is and trying to teach people about the real religion of Jesus. Because remember, the Pharisees have their idea of what God wants out of them. So that's why Messiah Jesus is here to really say, let's focus on me and not focus on all these rules and traditions that we go through. And so Jesus is gaining popularity. His message is being heard. He's preaching it, but also his disciples are preaching it as we read from the text. So there is being heard. People not only are hearing it, but they're accepting it and they're being baptized because of it. So what you have going on here in these first three verses is a lot of rumors because it says in the verse that Jesus was baptizing these people, but in reality, it wasn't Jesus as the Bible tells us. In fact, it was the disciples. So that's really not that important, but it lets us know that basically what's happening is there's a bunch of rumors going on of what's happening. And the Pharisees are catching on to who Jesus is. And as we know from uh, the text that the Pharisees don't like Jesus at all, he thinks he's a blasphemer. He thinks he's a terrible person. They don't believe that he is God. And so they think that he's doing something wrong with the Jewish religion. So what I'm trying to say to you is now, I think that this in some way is the start of the persecution that will be happening to Jesus. So what I think is happening is that Jesus starts recognizing all this and he knows that all these rumors are going on. So he just simply gets out of town. If you read in verse three, it says, uh, when he learned of this, when he learned that all these rumors are being talked about, he left Judea and went once more to Galilee. So his destination is Galilee, has nothing to do with Samaria. So on the way to his destination, he comes into this town called Galilee. So he decided to get away from all these church politics. Uh, he wanted, you know, just to get out of town, maybe clear his head a little bit. But more importantly, Jesus had a lot of work to do and his time has not yet come. So he had to continue his mission of traveling and sharing the gospel. So let's go on to now to verse four. It's like five words and I'm going to stop. Verse four. Now he had to go through Samaria. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Jesus, but he doesn't have to do anything. He's God, you know, <laughs> Like we do stuff for him. So it's like he had to go through Samaria. I think it's funny. I wonder what the Bible was really trying to say there. But he had to go through Samaria. What, what really is happening here is that you got to know, and I'm sure, again, if you've heard the story, you've heard a little bit of background between Jewish people and Samaritans that they don't, they don't like each other. This is a religious clash, r- religious rivalry, if you will, that has been going on for centuries. So this isn't something new. This isn't something like someone made fun of, a Jewish person made fun of a Samaritan and now they're not friends anymore. No, this is something that has been happening for a long, long time. And they just simply don't like each other. And we're going to see the extent of how much they don't like each other in a little bit. But so Jesus, this is why this passage is so important and why it's, it's so kind of out of the norm of culture is because he's not supposed to be there in the first place. He's a Jewish man and he goes through a town that they don't like back to back. They don't like each other. So what actually is happening is that when Jewish people used to travel around, they, when they had to go sometimes through Samaria or around Samaria or whatever it would be, because they don't like each other so much that they would actually take a longer route, a way longer route, so they don't have to go anywhere near Samaria. Again, Jesus goes straight through it. And I think that this kind of shows the personality of Jesus and a lot of times that we see because he doesn't care about 
social or cultural boundaries. He doesn't care what the world says is right or wrong. When Jesus has a mission and when Jesus knows that someone is in need, he goes straight to that problem and he doesn't care what the world says about it. And that kind of relates to something that, that, that might strike you is that the world says that Jesus is bad, but he left his throne in heaven to confront sin. I think it's a direct correlation of how that works. Not only did he go straight to Samaria, a place he wasn't supposed to be, but the Lord of the universe leaves his throne in heaven to come to earth to confront sin and ultimately have victory over it. So Jesus doesn't run from the opportunity to share his love from anyone because of what the world says. He proves that with going to Samaria. He proves that with leaving his throne in heaven to come to earth. And he can prove that in your life today. He doesn't care what you've been through or what you have done. What he cares about is that if you give him your all, if you give him your life, he's going to convict. He's going to convict and he's going to ultimately give you the glory that you deserve as a child of God. So let's keep going on. So he had to go through Samaria. And we're about to get to the meat of the passage. I'm just trying to give you some background in history so you can understand what's actually happening. So in verse five, verse five and six, it says this. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot ground of Jacob that he had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So the sixth hour translates to really about noon. All right, so here's a couple things I want to point out about that verse. First off, Jacob's well is a real well. Matter of fact, that well is still there today. I had someone in the first service come up to me afterwards and said, yeah, that well's still there. I actually took a drink out of that well. So it's a real live functioning well that is still there today. I think that's just crazy, you know? 2,000 years ago, we read about it, but you can go to it today. I mean, that's just, in my mind, solidifies everything that the Bible says. If you can go see exactly what it's talking about, that's crazy to me. But it also says that Jesus was tired from his journey. Now, again, if you know anything about Jesus, he's God. And so what I, what I said in first service is this kind of helps. When I was a kid, all right, I used to picture Jesus as like an ultimate athlete. I don't know why. I just like sports. So that's what my mind went to. And so I would picture Jesus as like LeBron James, like times seven, right? Like he could dunk from one end of the court and just dunk it. You know what I'm saying? Like in football, right? Because it's now football time. Like he's the quarterback, wide receiver, running back all in one because he's God. He could do anything. But the Bible doesn't paint the picture of Jesus this way because he says he's tired from his journey. And I think that's what the Bible's trying to say is, listen, yeah, he's fully God. He came out of heaven he, to, 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 to defeat sin. But at the same time as being fully God, he's also fully man. And he feels some of the same struggles that you and I feel today. Some of the stress, some of the worry, some of the just being tired. So Jesus being fully God and fully man just sits by this well. But again, in these, in these verses, I think there's another interesting thing that happens is that it's noon, 12 o'clock, noon o'clock. Noontime. It's hot. If you've been outside here, you understand how hot it is. Well, picture that over in Samaria where it's basically desert and then you have this well. Now, of course, there's probably some kind of shade around this well. Maybe not. I don't, I've never seen a picture of it, but maybe not. But, but either way, it's, it's burning up. And so at this time, nobody would ever go to the well to get water. They'd go in the morning or they would go in the evening because it was cooler and they had to do a lot of work because it says in the Bible we're about to read that the well was deep. So it took a lot to get the water out of the well. But Jesus, knowing everything, goes at noon and just sits and he's waiting on somebody. I think it's interesting that the Lord of the universe is waiting for somebody. 
Have you ever felt like no one waits, no one cares about you? I can promise you that Jesus is waiting for you. So again, let's pick up where we left off. Noon, Jesus is sitting at the well. He's tired. Let's look at verse 7 and 8. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Verse 8 says his disciples had gone to the town to buy food. But I want to focus on seven. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water. So again, you have to understand how just out of the the realm of culture that this really is. Not only is this a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan, but it's a man talking to a woman. They're not supposed to associate at all, right? So they're not supposed to be talking to each other. People in the Jewish culture might think that now Jesus is unclean because he's talking to somebody that he shouldn't. What they're thinking is that this Samaritan woman who they are Jewish beliefs, but they, the Jewish people think that they kind of brought in a bunch of different things into their religion, and so that's why they don't like each other. So now you have Jesus talking to someone that he's not supposed to talk to, and this catches the woman off guard. Look at verse 9. Look at her response when Jesus says, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman in verse 9 says, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then in parentheses it says, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible has a little subpoint, And it says this, that not only do they associate, but they do not use dishes that the Samaritans have used. So remember, Jesus has nothing. He's been traveling. He's just sitting at the well. And this woman who apparently has to have some kind of thing to get water out. And now Jesus is saying, can you give me a drink? And this catches this woman off guard because she's like, you're, dude, you're not supposed to be talking to me. And you're not supposed to be using anything that I have used before. Because that would deem you as unworthy and unclean in your culture, in your religion. But Jesus doesn't care about cultural boundaries. And so she says... She doesn't know him and she doesn't like him. And so she says, how are you asking me for a drink? And you might sense a little bit of an attitude. And we're not going to get to this part in the passage, but, but we might figure out why this woman might have a little bit of an attitude. Later on in this passage, around verse 17 and 18, it's, Jesus really calls her out on some things that she might be dealing with in her life. And at one point he's like, hey, bring me your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know you got five of them right? So she's been dealing with some stuff. You know what I'm saying? Five husbands. But no, seriously, think about this. She's probably gone through her life just being taken from. Taken, taken, taken. Not being able to fit in. Not being able to find what she's supposed to do. And so she's just being taken. She's, she's probably poor. She doesn't have a husband, as we talked about, so she doesn't have a job. She probably begs a lot. And so you can imagine what she's thinking when another man, because she doesn't know who he is, is just asking him for a drink at noon when it's hot, when she has to do all the work to get it. So it just feels like, here we go, another man taking it from me. But if you're honest with yourself, I think you might admit that a lot of times in life, people disappoint you. People might take stuff from you. And just like this Samaritan woman, what happens in our life is that we don't separate people from God. And so a lot of times when people take, 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 we think that that's all that God's going to do. He's just going to keep taking from me. I'm just going to disappoint him or he's just going to keep disappointing me. And so we fail to give him everything that we have. Just like this Samaritan woman. But she's about to see that God isn't asking for something because he needs it. God is asking for something because he wants to help her. A lot of times God doesn't ask you for things because he needs it. He is God. He's asking because he's got something planned for you. 
I thought it was interesting what Allison said. Eight o'clock on Friday morning, no, I'm good. (laughs) But God wasn't asking her to go because those people needed prayer. God was asking her to go because she had something for her. What does God have for you? What are you willing to risk to understand what God really has for you? He's not asking you to do things in life because he needs it from you. He's got something bigger for you. And sometimes he has to ask to get you to move. So let's keep going on. So remember, I think Jesus at this point might be a little frustrated with this woman. Maybe not because he's a loving guy. But he answers this way. So let's go back real quick. She says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? So Jesus' response to her. Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If we only knew the gift of God and who was asking, this happens to us all the time. If we only knew who God really was, if we only did, right? A lot of our issues would go away if we really understood who God really was. If we really took a second to think about maybe this Bible stuff is real and this Jesus dude is real, if we only knew what God would give us if we would simply humble ourselves and ask him for it. But this Samaritan woman is in a lot of ways just like you and I because we're afraid to ask something from God. We're afraid to come to God with our issues and with our problems. If we only knew that God is willing to bless you with living water. But the Samaritan woman still doesn't get it. So in, in verse 11, she says, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She thinks the living water is in the well. You, pick, you got this so far? And then verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flock and his herds? But I'm going to go to 11. Sir, you have nothing to draw this water with. Where are you going to get this living water? See, she still doesn't get it. She's still focused on the physical characteristics of this well. She's still focused on the well and the water, but God's trying to take it to a deeper level. He's focusing on something internal. She couldn't see what God was talking about because, again, she was focusing on what's around her. How many times in your life have you been focusing on things around you and miss what God's trying to do in you? Our situation is too deep. I can't do this. God, you would never call me to do that. There's no way. The situation you're in is not a coincidence. It's to draw deeper within your life. The situation that you're in is not to push you down. The situation that you're in is so that God can internally build character in your life and grow you closer to him, just like it is with this Samaritan woman. But see, she couldn't see that. She was missing it. And so she says... You have nothing to draw with. Where's your bucket? First off, it's like, how are you telling Jesus he didn't have anything? Dude, he can do whatever he wants. So where's your bucket, Jesus? I want this water, but you have nothing to get the water out of the well with. What are you going to do? Listen, how many times has that been you? God, just fill my bucket. If only I had more money. If only I had a better job. If only my husband or wife would do it this way, then I would be happy. If only I had more friends. If only I got better grades, better car. Just fill my bucket, Lord. Where's this living water? I'm waiting for it. And just like the Samaritan woman, we're missing the point. It has nothing to do with the water. And Jesus is just sitting on the well waiting for the woman. What is he saying? I'm the bucket. 
has nothing to do with the bucket. It's me. But we miss it over and over again because we're searching for all this stuff around earth. We're searching for all these materialistic things and God's like, it's me. I'm the bucket. And I want to fill you with water. So she's like, where's my bucket? Let's look at 13 and 14. Where's my bucket, Lord? Where is it? What are you doing? Jesus answers, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Not only will they not thirst, but indeed the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Listen, God's not trying to quench your thirst. He's trying to create a spring of water to well within you. He's not trying to just say, here's a, here's a bottle of water, here's a gallon, here's a bucket of water. No, he's trying to create a spring of water to well inside you that leads to eternal life. Do you understand what he's trying to say here? I've done this before with our students, so they've seen it. But there's a pastor named Francis Chan who uses this illustration when we talk about eternal life. And he's trying to create this well, remember? He's trying to lead you to eternal life. And this rope right here represents eternal life. You know what this represents? Your time on earth. But so many times we focus on this and we forget about that. We focus on the bucket and the stuff within the bucket. We focus on my life here and we forget that God has so much more planned for us in eternal life with him. Where's your mind at? God says, I'm the bucket. You're not gonna find peace within the stuff that you want. I'm the bucket, I'm the living well. And if you want eternal life with me, you gotta realize that. So God asks you, are you giving everything? Is God number one in your life? Or are you living life to please yourself? You know what's interesting about this? Listen, God gives you this much time to determine all of that. Is it worth it? Is filling your bucket worth it? I pray your answer is no. God says, I will give him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. My question is simple, and I'm gonna close with this. Are you giving God everything or are you just trying to fill buckets? Because I'm gonna tell you, there ain't a big enough bucket to give you joy to give you faith, to give you hope. There ain't enough buckets, not enough money, not enough women. Nothing will fill that well but the love of Jesus. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you realize that God is maybe sitting at your well. Maybe you tried to come to this church and hide in the back and thinking God will never want to touch me. Not, not ever want to be with me. I just got to come here so I'll feel better. No, God's waiting for you to fill you with living water? Are you filling buckets or do you have a well within you towards eternal life? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to come before you. We're grateful that in these stories, Father, that you give us so many examples of, of things that we can change in our life, Father, that we can grow closer to you. And so, Father, I simply pray that today that maybe there's someone in this room that has been so hesitant, Father, to come for you for whatever reason it may be. 
But Father, I pray that you impact their life right now, that your spirit will motivate them to make a decision towards you today, Father. Maybe there's someone who's already been a believer, but Father, they're chasing so many things around this life, trying to fill bucket after bucket, and they can't understand why they can't find joy and peace. Father, show them that it has nothing to do with the bucket or the contents of the bucket. It has to only do with you. So fill them with joy and courage to stand up and say, yeah, that's me and I need Jesus. Thank you for your son who gives us the opportunity to, to, to come into eternal life. Let's focus on the rest and not focus on the now. But again, thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice he made. It's in his name I pray. Amen.